When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's up and welcome in to the best on the board here at The Athletic. Michael Beller and Andrew DeWitt with you on this Monday. DeWitt, how'd week one Sunday go for you? Went pretty well, won a handful of bets. Props didn't go so well for me, but that's okay. I made it up for on the team side bets. There you go, making it up in one way or another. That's exactly what we want to do on Best on the Board for you every single week. Monday, you know what that means? We don't care about Sunday anymore. I asked to wait, but it's mostly just, you know, I'd be in courtesy. Uh, but otherwise, we are putting that behind us and looking ahead to week two, our first look at early lines. We talk about a lot, as James Holzhauer writes about a lot on our site. This is a great time to go shopping right now before the lines change. If you have a good feeling on a side, a good feeling on a total, get it now because this is when the lines are at their softest. We're going to go through a couple of games, our favorite ones for week two. DeWitt, you take this one away first, your first game that already is catching your eye for week two. I'll take the Dolphins plus three and a half against the Bills in Miami. First thing I look at when I look at the spreads is, are there any home dogs that catch my eye immediately? Yesterday was a big day for underdogs across the NFL. The books had a great day because underdogs and unders were winning across the board. For me, you know, that's Miami is one that sticks out right away. And what the reason they stick out is because they have the defense similar to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They had a great defensive day yesterday against Mac Jones and the Patriots. Um, you know, Tua had an okay game. I wouldn't, I mean, I, I watched a lot of the game, but I wouldn't say Tua was impressive. Um, you know, the same way that, you know, I'd say Burrow had a great game yesterday. He really controlled the situation, looked great in the pocket, made some great throws. I wouldn't say Tua had that same game when I'm looking at the second year quarterbacks, but I think he managed the game and allowed the team to get the win. Um, same kind of situation here. You know, the, the Steelers really frustrated Josh Allen and the entire Bills offense yesterday. And to me, that's just shocking because at points yesterday in the same, you know, you're looking at the Chiefs-Browns game, the Browns frustrated Mahomes at points in that game, but then he came through and got the win, at least got his offense on track and figured it out and have ways to win. But like Allen and the, the Bills offense just never got going yesterday. There was just nothing that they could figure out. And it just seems like they're a little bit like lost right now. And I think the the Dolphins' defense is going to provide the same kind of frustration that the Steelers' defense did. Will the Bills have as bad of a game as they did against the Steelers? No way. But I just think the, the Dolphins can cover three and a half points at home this week against, uh, you know, a divisional rival again. And if the Dolphins can go 2-0 and in that division to start, they're going to be on right on track to make the playoffs and be a team that we're talking about all year as one of the top teams in the AFC. A woefully inefficient game for that Buffalo offense, and that is something we just do not expect, even against a great defense in Pittsburgh. That is very arguably the best front seven in the NFL that the Bills went up against in week one. So no shame in being slowed down by the Steelers, certainly, but I was surprised to see the Bills offense be as inefficient as it was. And this is something Jake Seeley brought up on our Monday Fantasy show. 
you know, Zach Moss is an important piece of that offense because he keeps defenses honest. When he's not in there, I mean, there was no run threat. And you saw that in the fact that Devin Singletary had 11 carries for 72 yards. And it was sort of like a so what? Like the, the Steelers did not mind if they got gashed here and there by Devin Singletary so long as they were limiting big plays in the passing game. And they did that very, very well. Josh Allen, 5.3 yards per attempt in that game. So maybe that's a blueprint that the Dolphins try to follow. I'm not sure if they can follow it as well as Pittsburgh did, but it's something that I wouldn't be surprised to see from Brian Flores' group next week. It's a stay away for me right now. I'll see how things uh, transpire over the uh, week, and maybe I'll get in on one side or the other, but not one that jumped out at me personally this week. One that did, uh, DeWitt, is the Thursday night game. I'm actually picking at either end of the schedule. I'm going Thursday night and Sunday night. The Thursday night game this week, is Washington and the Giants. Washington, four and a half point favorites at home. That's very light. That just feels very, very light to me to win after what we saw from this Giants offense this uh, this past week. That line is a mess. I mean, we knew it was going to be a mess, and it proved to be a mess in that game against the Broncos in week one. And Washington can bring that same sort of pass rush to bear, maybe even a stronger one than the Broncos did, given that uh, Bradley Chubb wasn't out there for Denver. I think that the Giants offensive line once again is going to have major protection issues up front. Daniel Jones did not play well. Uh, the score of 27 to 13 does not illustrate just how much Denver controlled that game from start to finish. You had a garbage time touchdown from the Giants at the very end of the game. You had KJ Hamler drop a touchdown pass earlier in the game. That one very easily could have been more like 30 to 7 than 27 to 13. So I think that we see something similar from Washington. I guess if I was going to be concerned about one thing, it's the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick is out, uh, going to be missing a couple of weeks with a hip injury. Taylor Heineke takes over. And so why I'm not as concerned about that as I typically would be, especially for a short week game, is that Tyler, Taylor Heineke's been there. Taylor Heineke knows the team. Taylor Heineke knows the offense. Taylor Heineke knows the players around him who he's playing with. He's not a typical short week backup quarterback, I don't think. And you like the short week when you're playing at home. Washington played at home in week one. They're playing at home in week two, so they haven't had to go anywhere yet this season. The Giants, meanwhile, do have to make that trip and do so after just getting uh, the doors blown off them by the Broncos. So I really, really like Washington in this one. Jumped out at me right away when I saw it. The only thing that concerns me, another injury that popped up for Washington was Antonio Gibson. Looked like he may have suffered a shoulder injury. That's just something to keep an eye on as the week goes on. Uh, running backs can play through shoulder injuries. It's really not an issue. It's like a lower body injury it concerns me a lot more than running back. But he's just so key to that offense as kind of like their three down thread. He played a lot on third down yesterday. Um, I know we had talked about preseason like J.D. McKissick, um, you know, getting a lot of that third down action. But Gibson was in there a decent amount on third down and catching passes. So that's just something to keep an eye on as we go. But I agree with you here as like Washington, you know, even giving up the points is a decent amount on a Thursday night is, you know, there seems like the Giants may be one of the worst teams like we talked about in the preseason <laughs> in the NFL. And unless something cha- like what's going to change between Sunday and Thursday on a short week, you know, the Jaguars were really bad. They might, you know, they might be able to turn around a little bit this week, but I just don't see the Giants solving things in like a two day, three day window that they have before they have to travel. Yeah, neither do I. Maybe Saquon gets a, a couple of days healthier and they're ready to work him into the uh, the offensive game plan a little bit more than they did in week one. But I think you could just as easily, we're not doctors, so you could just as easily make the other argument of, you know, maybe they take it easy on him in week two, get him a full two weeks, and then really start to turn it on for Saquon in week three. Good point on Antonio Gibson. Going to keep an eye on that injury. 20 carries for 90 yards. Three catches on five targets for 18 yards in week one against the Chargers. So he's definitely a key, key piece. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, one more pick a piece here, DeWitt. Uh, let's hear your second team that you're going to be going after in week two already. We've already talked about this game a little bit yesterday with the Broncos being the Giants. I think that's a game we gave out last week as one of our best bets on the board. I'm going to go back to the Denver well again this week. Early in the season, Teddy Bridgewater had a really good game yesterday, 28 for 36, 264 yards. I mean, he could have easily thrown for 300 yards if that game was a lot closer. That He had no issues, was on target. Um, Jerry Judy went down with an injury, which I don't think he's going to be playing this week or the next couple of weeks with a high ankle sprain. <laughs> One of the worst injuries for a wide receiver, unfortunately. But, you know, I think the Broncos are not going to have any problems going to Jacksonville. Uh, I don't know if you saw the report yesterday about the Jaguars' internal issues that they're having, you know, with Urban Meyer adjusting to the NFL, which I don't think shocks any of us given how much <laughs> information is out there about Urban Meyer and how he likes to coach and run and recruit and all these things. I'm just thinking the Jaguars are a mess. Trevor Lawrence, I watched a lot of the game against the Texans yesterday. We've talked about this, you know, when we were talking in the preseason about what team is going to be the worst in the NFL, we always circle back to the Texans. They didn't look too bad, but I think a lot of that was due to because the Jaguars were just so disorganized everywhere on the ball. Early in the first half, they had to take two timeouts because they couldn't get the play call into Trevor Lawrence. And when I was watching, like, the the body language, because, you know, CBS, they were, like, always focusing in on Lawrence and the huddle. Oh, the rookie Mm -hmm. quarterback, Mm -hmm. the number one guy. We've talked about this guy for six, seven years now. You know, how long, how is he going to play his first NFL game? And they just looked, he looked frustrated that he wasn't getting the play call. He looked like, this is not what I'm used to at Clemson. I'm used to getting these play calls in. I'm used to running the offense quick, tempo, all these things. And he was just frustrated. So I would just say, I'm just impressed with the Broncos defense yesterday. As you mentioned, Bradley Chubb didn't play, but Von Miller looked like he's had a really good offseason. Two sacks, couple tackles for loss. He's going to be back into that defense and a threat. So I think, Broncos minus six. To be honest, part of me betting this game so early is because I think the spread could, similar to like the 49ers and the Lions game that ended up being like a minus nine for the Niners yesterday. I could see this going to like seven and a half, eight. And, but, you know, if we get something in the week, we're like, oh, we don't like this Broncos news, injuries come out, whatever. You can just take the other side, kind of hedge back. And I think this spread will probably go to like minus seven, minus eight for the Broncos. So I think that that's the most important point from the perspective that we're looking at, the gambling perspective. It's now or never to bet the Broncos. I like the Broncos. I buy this team. I think the defense is, there's no question about do you buy, do you sell the defense. You either buy the defense or you don't know what you're talking about. This defense is going to be very good all season long. We knew they were going to be getting after the quarterback coming into the season, and they made those big additions in the secondary. So they really shored up the back end of the defense as well. You saw that on display against the Giants in week one. Uh, I, I like well enough for the offense, even with Jerry Judy going to be out for the foreseeable future with that high ankle sprain. But I do think that this suddenly becomes a, a much harder sell at minus eight or minus eight and a half. And I wouldn't be surprised to see it go there. You're going to hear a lot of good stuff about the Broncos early on this week. You're going to hear a lot of bad stuff about the Jaguars early on this week. There's going to be some, uh, are the Jaguars actually the worst team in the NFL? Sort of talk going on this week. This line is only going in one direction, and it's only going to get bigger. This is going to be the low point of this line, and I do think we see it a couple of points higher by the uh, weekend. So if you want to get in on the Broncos, 
Get in on them now. You're going to have to lay eight, eight and a half, maybe even nine, like you say, DeWitt, a good point with what we saw from Lions and 49ers. This game could follow that same sort of line movement script that we saw from the Lions and the 49ers in week one. I'm looking at Sunday night game. And part of the reason we do this Monday early line stuff, DeWitt, is because of what we said, that this is a great time to get value before the lines really harden, before more data comes in and where, bet, where bets are being played, where sharps are placing their money. This is a time that you can really just go you against the book before any sort of money starts rolling in. And I've got one that is going to make us even more uh, of you against the book because one of these teams on Sunday night hasn't even played yet, as you and I are sitting here talking about this. I like the Chiefs and the Ravens. Uh, I like the Chiefs minus two and a half to go into Baltimore here. I just think this line gets bigger. I think this line gets bigger before 11 o'clock Eastern time tonight. Uh, I, I think that the Ravens are just dealing with a lot of injuries on offense, dealing with a lot of issues that even as great as Lamar Jackson is, we might see some unevenness from them against the Raiders. This is not the easiest spot in the world going into Las Vegas on Monday night against a what I would term as mediocre, decent enough. Raiders team. I don't think they're going to be a doormat. I don't think they're going to the playoffs, but this was a team that was at one point, what, six and three last year, six and four, something along those lines. Like they're not going to be a total walkover sort of team. And so I think even if the Ravens do end up winning this game, unless they do so in overwhelmingly convincing fashion, I wouldn't be surprised to see this up at three or three and a half by time uh, this uh, by time Ravens Raiders ends on Monday night. So I think this is your opportunity, maybe your only opportunity all week to get the Chiefs laying less than a field goal. It's a bet that I already have made. I am in on the Chiefs, minus two and a half, four week two already, because I do think that we see it up at or above a field goal by time Ravens and Raiders ends. And then let's talk about the Chiefs for a second. What a second half performance from that offense. I mean, the Browns are legit. The Browns are for real. The Browns are every bit the Super Bowl contender a lot of people thought they were coming into the season. So that was not just some, you know, bad start by the Chiefs where they ultimately were destined to always come back in the second half playing at Arrowhead. That was a really gutty performance from that offense. The defense clamped down on the Browns in the second half, and you saw the Chiefs really rise to the occasion. A great, great game that I don't even know if they're getting the full credit for because it's the Chiefs, and we expected it then. But Mahomes did what he does. Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, they did what they do. And so I do think that the Ravens can have a lot of trouble slowing that attack down. And I sneaky like what we saw from Clyde Edwards-Alaire involved in the passing game. Three targets, caught them all, got north of 20 yards receiving. I think we see him play an even bigger role in the offense than he had last year and an even bigger role in the passing game going forward. So I think that's going to be a really dangerous attack they put out there against Baltimore. And I think Cleveland's defense is better than Baltimore's DeWitt. I just, I think they are. It's going to be a little bit of a short week for the Ravens as well. Like everything here is telling me grab the Chiefs under a field goal before that goes away. A couple of things to point out about the Chiefs defense too. I know you touched on the Chiefs offense, which is always the focus. So Honey Badger Tyron Matthew did not play yesterday. He's been cleared on the COVID protocols. He was vaccinated, but he didn't practice all week. Obviously not a full condition to play yesterday. And Frank Clark didn't play either. He has a hamstring injury from the preseason. They, I just think they didn't want to play him because they didn't want to make it worse. I wouldn't be surprised if Frank Clark plays against the Ravens. Um, and then Nick Bolton, their second-round draft pick, who was kind of forced into action yesterday, looked great. He was chasing Chubb into those holes yesterday. And Chubb is one of the best running backs in the NFL. I think we all agree with that. And and he was making some big stops in the second half. So Because, I mean, at points, the Browns rushing the offense was kind of gouging the Chiefs' defense. But then they yeah. forced the turnovers. The punter dropped the ball. All those things kind of went right <laughs> the right way for the Chiefs yesterday. But those things happened, like, Robert Mays made a great point on the athletic fantasy or the athletic athletic football show today. You know, it was like 
wow, were we surprised that that happened? Because that's what the Chiefs do. You give them just like two little little gap in the offense, a little bit of gap, and then they just come back and beat you, and that's just what they did to the Browns yesterday. It's exactly what they did, and it's what we expect the Chiefs to do, but still very impressive, and again, against a really, really good Cleveland team, and these are important games. Say they're early in the season. That is true. There's plenty of the Chiefs would have lost that. No one's writing any Chiefs obituaries, but these are important games. These could very well be playoff position, tie-break sort of games when you're looking at the top of the AFC. The Chiefs are going to be there. We expect the Browns to be there. We expect the Ravens to be there. These are important wins to bank early on in the season. They really could pay off for you, not even just in the playoffs, but in December when you know, hey, we're one game up on the Ravens, and and this is the last week of the season. We have the tiebreaker with them. We can rest our guys, and they're going to have to play. So it's a really, really important game already off the bat. And I just, again, the Chiefs, I basically, almost any time I can get the Chiefs less than a field goal, I want to take it. I barely care who the opponent is. And that's what we have here right now. And just to drive it home, I don't think we have this opportunity available by the time we wake up on Tuesday morning. So give me the Chiefs minus two and a half at the Ravens. That will do it for this episode of Best on the Board. Thanks for joining us on YouTube. If you did, thanks for listening to the podcast as well. This show returns on Thursday. Me, Dan Santaramita, Ari Wasserman, taking a look at week three college football lines and also that Thursday night game between the Giants and Washington. You can bet I'll be doubling down on my Washington talk then. For Andrew DeWitt, I am Michael Beller. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the Monday night game. We'll talk to you soon.